Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers and professional nappy changers. Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, lovely listeners. It's so great to have you back. This is episode one of Twinkle Talks EYFS, and we have a lot to talk about today. Now, before we get stuck into today's main event of To Topic or Not To Topic, we're going to start with a fun section we like to call Praise a Practitioner. First up, we have Early Years Create, who'd like to nominate Bruna. They tell us she goes above and beyond her duties each day. It's never known where she gets her energy. If you find out, let us know. Alexandra would like to nominate two people. First off, we've got Cynthia, also known as the Rainbow Childminder. She is so caring, creative and helpful. And lastly, she'd like to nominate Jessica, also known as the Outdoor Childminder. She is a mindful childminder and just amazing. That's all we've got time for today. But if you would like to nominate a practitioner to celebrate their hard work, Go and check our social media sites so you can find out where to nominate them. Oh, well done, everybody. I absolutely love this section. It's so nice to celebrate each other and our achievements, isn't it? So to everyone who got mentioned, a big well done to you. And also a big well done to everyone who didn't get mentioned. We could spend this whole episode talking about you guys, but we can't. We've got a topic to talk about. And... Ironically, our topic today is topics. So for planning, do you choose to do topic-led planning or child-led planning? So before we get into it, let's have a look at what both these approaches mean. Let's start with looking at topic-based learning, or it could be also known as the project approach. So the Early Childhood website explains it as an in-depth exploration of a topic that may be child or teacher initiated and involve an individual, a group of children or the whole class. A project may be short term or long term, depending on the level of the children's interest. And the approach provides opportunities for children to take agency of their own learning and represent this learning through the construction of personally meaningful artefacts. Now, what they say about child-led learning is the activities have many characteristics in common with play as it's wholly decided upon by the child based on the child's own motivation and remains under the child's control. It may involve play of many types or it may be seen by the child as an activity with a serious purpose to explore a project or express an idea which the child may not see as pure play. To put it in layman terms, I think... Topic-led planning is where when you observe the children, you pick a single thing, an overarching item that the children are generally interested in, and then you could pre-plan adult-led or child-led activities for a certain amount of weeks, perhaps it's a half term or, you know, however long they're interested in. So there's a lot of pre-planning based on perhaps maybe one or two overarching themes. 
Whereas child-led planning is very much not as long. It's quite short term in terms of the activities that you plan. So it's not as easy to pre-plan the activities, whether it's child-led or adult-led, because one day they might be interested in sharks, the next day it might be firemen. So you're constantly adjusting that planning to suit what they're interested in on that day. So there's much less pre-planning going on for child-led. In a way, it's more forward planning, if that makes sense. So before we get into the ins and outs, the pros and cons of each approach and what you guys use in your own settings, I think it's really important to address possible misconceptions with these approaches, as there are misconceptions with any approach, you know. So for example, there might be a misconception that with topic-led planning, it's very restrictive, it's very adult-led, and that might not be the case at all. Practitioners may be picking the topics based on what the children are really interested in. And it is also a mix of adult-led and child-led activities. So the children do have control over how they're learning. It's just that maybe the resources and the environment are adapted to suit the topic. And of course, just because you may have planned a couple of weeks in advance the activities based around that topic, that doesn't mean it's set in stone. Practitioners will be constantly looking at the children and seeing how they're responding to the activities and can adapt the planning as necessary. As for child-led planning, there might be a misconception that um, practitioners just let the children play all day and do what they want. (laughs) And that is not the case. Um, There's a lot of work that goes into child-led planning. There's a lot of observation and really getting to know the children and being able to adapt those plans uh, really quickly. And that does also mean that there are adult-led and child-led activities in there as well. So the adult still plays a really important role in child-led planning. It's just that they are facilitating what the children are interested in and plan ahead. So just wanted to clear those possible Uh, misconceptions up before we get started. Okay, so it's time to hear from you guys what you use and what you think. A couple of weeks ago, we put out a poll on our Facebook groups and Instagram, and over 200 of you responded. So thank you so much this podcast is for you and um, having you get involved is really what's going to make this podcast. So let's have a look at the results. Roughly around 35% of you said that you choose to do topic-led planning. Only 18% of you said that you do child-led planning. And surprising for me, 47% of you said that you use both. So It's really nice to see that practitioners and settings are able to be so flexible and so imaginative that you're not just using one approach, you're using more than one, you're using both here. And I did see someone um, who voted said that they don't use either, they use something called an inquiry approach. So I'm sure you know, these aren't the only two Uh, approaches to planning and teaching there are so many more but I just couldn't fit them all in one episode 
Um, so it'd be really interesting to find out what other approaches people use out there. I know there's something called the uh, curiosity approach. I've also recently heard of the Huga approach. Um, so it's just really exciting to see that so many of you are not or don't feel that you're restricted to just using one approach. You're actually using a mix of both. And let's be honest, that's because there's a lot of pros for both of them. So why use one when you can use two? <laughs> we also asked you lovely listeners to share your experiences with each approach and to tell us honestly the pros and cons of the approaches that you use so that we can share them with you and help you guys make informed decisions. So we'll start with topic-led planning first. Claire Hill, uh, thank you, Claire, for um, giving us some insight into what you do. You say that you have topic-led planning, but adapt, tweak, and add activities as the children come up with things. They've just done some work on birds as a robin keeps visiting the children when they play out. How lovely is that? So as you can see there, topic-led planning definitely worked, but it was based on something that had just happened. You know, a robin came to see the kids, so they thought, hey, let's make a topic out of it. That is beautiful. I love that. Willow says that they like to use topic-led planning as it then turns into child-led as they play, which is great. Um, they like it because they also talk about it for weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think that is one of the benefits of um, using topic-led planning is that they do get so involved in it and it's such a deep level of learning because you're going on for so long. Yeah, they talk about it for weeks and weeks because they really spend loads of time on the specific topic. They get really deep into it and it's just lovely to see. I would say, coming from my experience, I have used a lot of topic-led planning in a similar way. And for me, from a teacher's perspective, it's really nice to have pre-planning. <laughs> it's really nice to have a bunch of plans that you don't have to start from scratch. You can just tweak, um, especially like throughout the years. And I'm not saying that I use the same planning for every year for every cohort. I definitely do not. Every cohort is different, but it is really nice to have that skeleton planning um, of a specific topic. And then, you know, when your next cohort comes in and they go, oh, we like space. You're like, yes. <laughs> a couple of years ago, another cohort liked space too. So I could just take that planning and tweak it. Um, so I would definitely say that is a pro of topic led planning too. On the flip side, though, I guess that could also be seen as a con because it's a lot of work. <laughs> Adults and practitioners, we really have to manage the pace of the activities, the planning of the interesting and new experiences and really have to come up with that ourselves. And it can be tough. You know, we have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, but sometimes we just we need a little help. We don't know what um what to plan all the time and having the onus on us for topic-led planning is, is a lot of pressure and sometimes it 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 hits with the kids sometimes it resonates with them and sometimes it doesn't so that could be seen as a con as well we also asked one of our twinkle ambassadors the lovely ashley to share her experience and she's been using topic-led planning and makes an interesting point about Ostet actually so here she is now, I think there's lots of pros to topic-led planning, one of them being structure. It really gives you guidance because you know exactly what you're covering every single half term. 
So this helps me to create long-term plans, medium-term plans, and all the documents that need to go along with it that I can put on the website. I feel like these documents give my team the knowledge they need to know what is coming at every stage of the year. And I feel like in terms of Ofsted, this is a really good strength for us because it means that we can all talk about it confidently and we know what we're evidencing. You also don't need training to do topic-led planning because it is really just as simple as choosing a topic and then brainstorming the key experiences and ideas with your team. So you really can do it all together, which I absolutely love. Everybody can contribute. And I think it is great for building relationships and understanding amongst your team. Yeah, see, the big O, it's always on our mind, isn't it? And having that worry that when they come to see us, that we're going to not know what we're doing or we're going to make it look like we don't know what we're doing and we have to prove ourselves. And I suppose, yeah, I guess topic-led planning, having that information there is is helpful for us to explain. But we've had this big reform change, haven't we? And, you know, it's very specific that they don't want to see um, a lot of documentation because they they understand it takes away from uh, being with the children. And that could be a con of topic-led planning. It's that there's so much onus on, you know, the documentation and the evidence that, you know, does it take away from being with the children? That's a question I will leave there. (laughs) Now, what you guys have to say about child-led planning is really interesting, actually. And we're so lucky that one of the members of the Twinkle team Um, our lovely Claire you might have heard on the last episode that she has experience with child-led planning Um, her setting decided to switch up their game um, with the reforms and switch to child-led planning so I thought it would be really nice to hear from her what she has to say about the pros and cons are of using child-led planning so here she is Hi Shana, thank you for asking me to come onto the podcast and talk a bit about child-led planning. So we've been really getting stuck into it since September when I took over as head of early years in our department and it was a pretty big change. We were one of those settings that there was quite a lot of formal learning and actually quite a high expectation for a lot of formal learning to take place in the EYFS, which obviously as a practitioner isn't the way that you know usually things work best. So I came in and kind of had to fight for um, doing it a different way. Well, not fight, fight's a strong word, but kind of decided that we should try it out and take it really seriously and try and do things as child-led as we possibly could. Um, So it was scary to start with, but um, there's a couple of resources that we used that were really helpful. So on Twinkle, there's the spontaneous planning template where you can throughout the day just record down observations. And that was our main starting point. So we had no themes, no topics pre-picked out. We set up kind of like some generic enhancements in the first week just to see what the children were interested in, like a range of different things to try and gauge their interest. And then that week, we literally just jotted down any key observations, anything they were talking about, what they were interested in. And then the theme of dinosaurs started to emerge. So we then used this other planning template, which is the editable topic planning template that has the seven areas of learning on. And we would then just sit down on a Friday, look at all our observations from the week and work out from those what enhancements we could add to the provision for the following week and what carpet times we do, um, any themes or hooks we were going to add. So it 
everything then came from what the children were doing in their play. Um, and it was hard to start with, but now we're in the loop of it. We've been doing it since September now and it's worked so well. And the progress that they're making is amazing because obviously they're really interested in everything that we're doing and really engaged in everything because it's stuff that they want to do. So it was a bit of a leap going from quite a structured, pre-planned uh, way of learning to doing it completely child-led. But it, for us, it's been really good. It, it is a lot of work. It's not easy. Uh, and you constantly have to be on the lookout, you know, for these kind of key moments popping up and, and working out, obviously, because all children are different, what's going to work for the entire group or ways you can get a couple of different themes that pop up to work together. So that's really interesting. Um, but our team's really loved it so far. It's been working really well for us. And I don't think we'd change that way of working now because of the progress that's being made and just how busy and engaged the children are. It's been really great. We're loving it. Oh, so insightful. Thank you so much, Claire, for sharing that. That's um, that's really helpful. And now we get to see both sides and the pros and cons to both, uh, which is really exciting. But we cannot forget the pupil's voice. We get told about this in our um, line of work so many times we thought you know what we need to bring this into our podcast too we need to hear what the children think and if you listen to our first episode where we introduce the team we have a very special member she's three and a half years old she's our manager Lauren's daughter it's Betsy of course it's time to hear what Betsy has to say about what she likes to learn at school so it's time for some Betsy Bites <laughs> Betsy loves to learn about dinosaurs. Oh, thank you so much, Betsy. That that was a really impressive roar at the end. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's good to hear that um, she's confident and she can tell us what she likes. There you are. So before we close this episode, I just wanted to take a little moment to tell you that there is no right or wrong approach. This episode isn't here to tell you you should be doing this approach or this approach works best. That's that's not what we're here for. We're simply here to reflect what's going on in, in the early years world. Um, you tell us what's going on. You tell us your experiences and we pass on that information. And we, you know, we don't have a preferred approach. And we never will. Um, and if you ever feel like that, you know, there is a right or wrong way to teach, I will very happily direct you to a document by Ofsted themselves. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. It's called Teaching and Playing in Early Years, a Balancing Act. And Ofsted themselves say... There is no one way to achieve the very best for young children. That's a direct quote, people. Okay. Ofsted themselves recognise that there is no such thing as a right or wrong way approach. All approaches are amazing. All approaches are good. And they don't tell us which one we should be doing. And I think that's right. And I agree with that. 
Um, whatever works for you and your children is what's best. Um, whether you follow one approach, whether you follow a mixture of approaches, whether you start following one approach and think, actually, you know what, that's not working. I'm going to do this one um, and change it up as you go. That is what early years is all about. We are constantly changing. We are constantly evolving. And so are our children, you know, just because a approach works for one cohort doesn't mean it's going to work for another. So I just want to encourage you, you know, um, that you know your stuff and Ofsted recognize that you know your stuff, you know your children. And we're just so lucky to have so many different approaches out there that we can choose, we can we can try, we can have a go at, we can analyze ourselves, we can get experience from our peers, like what we're doing in this podcast right now. And we can make an informed decision about what we think is best for our children, okay? So this isn't an episode to tell you that there is a specific way or a specific approach that you should be uh, using in your setting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Whatever you're doing, you got it. You got it. You know what you're doing. And it's innate in early years practitioners, I think, that we always try and do our best for our children. I mean, I say in early years, in all in all school settings, that's just part of who we are. So I just want to encourage you um, and remind you that, yeah, there's no pressure, no pressure to pick a specific approach at all. Ofsted say so. <laughs> so go and take a look. And um, yeah, this is just a really, this is just really an exploration uh, episode to see what you guys are doing. Um, so what we thought we would like to end with for this episode is just give some examples of maybe activities or resources that the team have used in their settings that might be helpful to you. Whether you use the topic-based approach, whether you use the child-led approach, we're going to show you a mixture of both. Okay, so whatever you are using in your setting, we think we've got something at Twinkle that can help you. So here are some of my lovely team members to share what they like to use. One of my favourite things to use with babies and toddlers to develop their communication and language skills is a themed treasure basket. It encourages them to use single words if they're at that point, to describe the texture or to name the item. For younger children, you can ask them to identify and recognize with pointing or eye gazing, and it can really lead into sharing a mathematical concept such as counting and grouping. And there are just so many ways that these can reincorporate it into your setting or home. Currently, one of my favorite Twinkle resources is the Twinkle Originals app. Not only does it hold over 70 of our teacher-created books, but they all feature optional audio, so the children can still be read to even if an adult is not around or if you do not have access to the physical originals book. Uh, thanks so much, team. Yeah, some great resources there, like the treasure basket you can use for skills-based or topic-led. Um, and the same with Twinkle Originals as well. If you haven't seen the books, please go and, and, and check them out. It's just, it's so lovely. I love the Twinkle Originals books. So yeah, loads of um, lovely resources there. Go check them out if you would like. Um, on the Twinkle website, I'm sure you know already where to find the things. 
Um, and that is it for episode number one, to topic or not to topic. Thank you so much for listening. It's it's always a joy to um, have a chat with you guys and see what you guys are up to. If you like what you listened to today, we'd really appreciate it if you would give us a follow, give us a rating, um, you know, share it with your friends, um, share it with your teacher friends and be like, you know what, these guys know what's up. <laughs> and also share it with your non-teacher friends too and be like guys this is what it's like this is what it's like uh working in early years so yeah we'd really appreciate it if you like follow rate and share the love and we will see you next week for another episode of twinkle talks eyfs So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you'd like to get involved or would like to know more, go and follow us on our social media sites. We've got a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Pinterest account. All of the links will be in our description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.